Welcome to Lawyer's Coach. This podcast features Claire Rayson and Oliver Hansard, both coaches and former lawyers, speaking to various guests and experts in order to find out what makes lawyers tick. In this episode, the last of the series, Claire and Oliver look at what has become one of the podcast's big themes, that of empathy in coaching. Here's Claire. So Oliver, I've really enjoyed this series and I've found it fascinating just to hear the different journeys that various lawyers have been on. Um, I think for me, one of the things that has really come out of this series is how important it is to be empathetic. I think that's right. There was a real kind of continuum of behaviours being important in terms of how one operates as a lawyer, be that with one's clients or one's external uh, counsel. And empathy came through as a real theme to, to really understand the context in which others were working was really important. And I wonder whether empathy is so um, so important now, given where we are with COVID-19, given that, you know, people are under a great deal of stress, people are working in a way that, you know, they couldn't have imagined four months ago. Um, and I think that situation has driven people to be more empathetic. So I wonder whether that was sort of shining through in the interviews that we were doing. Well, it's interesting, isn't it? Have people actually become more empathetic as a result of covid I- I think the the number one requirement is that people realise that that is important and start to adjust their behaviour. And I think that's particularly crucial when one is delivering services as a lawyer, that you, you really begin to, to understand what's going on in, in the head and the context of the person that you're working with. Empathy is not just about how you deal with your clients. I think it's important to remember. Empathy is also about how you deal with your colleagues, your team, and really how uh, the whole business starts to think about its, uh, its workforce in a more empathetic way. So, yeah, there probably are green shoots, if you like, of, of empathy and a change in behaviour. But I think the next few months and, and years will, will really begin to show whether behaviour in the working environment is going to improve for the better. Yeah, I agree. And I think, you know, again, one of the things that several of our guests talked about was how lawyers need to really think about the skills that they're equipping themselves with. And going forward, you know, it can't just be the law that lawyers learn. It has to be more than that. And perhaps empathy is one of those things that law firms um, or, you know, businesses with with big in-house teams or small in-house teams need to start thinking about empathy Um, as a skill and as a skill that can be taught and as a skill that can be developed. So, and you're right, so much of the focus is on, on delivering or, or being legally trained and having those, those skills and and not enough uh, focuses, I don't think, on those behavioral skills. You know, if I think back to my time at law school, it was, it was the technical skills that are required as opposed to all the softer skills that that wrap around the delivery of those legal services. So Oliver, I know that you've been speaking to Joss Matheson, who is a fellow coach. um, And he is someone who, whilst doesn't um, necessarily coach lawyers, has been doing a lot of coaching with leaders right now. Um, And I know that you spoke to him about leadership behaviours needed in light of COVID-19. So what are the key skills going to be for leaders moving forward then, do you think, Joss? Well, I'm sure you're familiar with the term VUCA, right? So, I mean, it stands for volatile, uncertain, complex and ambiguous. It's become a really popular acronym predating the pandemic that we're living through to describe, you know, this kind of crazy turbulent world that we're in. 
And I think certainly describes the challenges most organizations face as industries are disrupted by technology. And that's only been further accelerated by the, the pandemic. And I think you can actually look at VUCA uh, through a new lens, which is the leadership behaviors uh, that we're going to need. So if, if we look at it as in terms of VUCA behaviors, I think that would be valiant. I think it would be understanding, compassionate and authentic. So we need our leaders to be valiant. They need to be brave enough to be curious. We need them to actually do the right thing. We need them to actually be looking out across all their stakeholders and making decisions which are right for the medium to long term and not just the short term if they possibly can. Understanding is absolutely plays to what we're talking about today, empathy really, really got to seek to understand actually what are other people going through? What are their perspectives? You know, what might they bring in terms of ideas and solutions that might enable companies to navigate this successfully? Compassionate is, you know, just obvious. I think it's really interesting when you have a conversation with someone right now, you ask how they are and you mean it. It's not one of those just throwaway lines. People are genuinely interested in how other people are doing. And I think that sort of, you know, narrowing of the empathy gap, if you like, that we're seeing is a really good thing. And then authentic is the, the A in VUCA behaviors. I think it's really important that leaders continue to be transparent. And it's really important that they show up as themselves and that they're honest and they're going to have to show a bit of vulnerability. You know, we've got to understand and see people. Sometimes we're, we're having a meeting with people, you know, and we see a camera you know, with the backdrop is their, their living room or the kitchen, or you might see their children appearing or their pets barking in the background or whatever it might be. And I think there's a humanity to that, which is actually a good thing. So hopefully that can continue. We are all human beings. We're all adults. I think we can cope with it. So let's continue that authenticity. So I think that, that you know, the new VUCA leadership behaviors is a valiant, understanding, compassionate, authentic. I think they will come to the fore. I think those leaders that display those things are going to be able to inspire their people through this ambiguity and also gain the trust of customers and other stakeholders. And crucially, I think there's one key behavior that will underpin all of those new VUCA leadership uh, behaviors, and that is empathy. And I'm, I'm pleased you said that. So where does empathy fit into that mix? Well, I think it's the kind of key that unlocks those things. So you know, empathy is really a, okay, it's a soft skill. We hear a lot about soft skills actually being the hard stuff. Um, you know, when we're dealing with, with transformation at the sort of scale we often see in organizations and uh, in the past that's, that's been technology, that's been accelerated now with kind of, you know, the situation we're, we're all dealing with. I think it's, it's not just a soft skill. I think it's got hard edges. And I think empathy is often misunderstood. So, so some maybe see it as, as soft and maybe a sign of weakness. Maybe others think that they're empathetic, but in reality, they're only offering token gestures or a few words of compassion to try and make people feel better. Well, I, I know that you feel the same as me. I, I think empathy is a fundamental leadership skill. It has hard edges. It boosts performance in multiple ways and it has an impact on a bottom line, which is what most executive teams and boards are really worried about is the financial health of the business and i think greater empathy supports the development of a more supportive and inclusive workplace in doing so i think it enables more honest conversations which can boost curiosity and creativity and collaboration so i think teams become more effective and higher performing i think it also creates a more positive empathetic work culture i think that allows employees to be the best version of themselves inclusion is a really really key topic in in every organization right now 
And actually having, you know, a culture of empathy enables people to feel safe. They can come to work knowing they can just be themselves. They're valued for who they are. They're valued for their perspectives and ideas. And ultimately, all of that is going to help businesses to thrive in the long term. So I, I think empathy is key, but it's not just right for now. It's, it, it's essential as a leadership skill to really drive a successful organization. So Oliver, it was really interesting hearing Joss talk about trust because, you know, where we started this series was with Jonathan Grigg, managing partner of regional firm Boyce Turner, talking about how working remotely has really led to leaders having to trust their workforce, but also blowing apart some of the myths perhaps around remote working where um, people weren't trusting their employees to, to actually work and, and that myth having been busted. So it's really interesting how we started off this series looking at trust and, and here we are at, at the end again thinking about trust and how important it is. That's right. The example you just used is about trusting internally, so trusting one's employees and, and if we've made progress there, absolutely fantastic. Trust is also important in your relationship with your lawyer, obviously. I think maybe what Joss is, is touching on here, it's not just about trust to do a good job or, or trust to get the deal done, but it's trust around those behaviours to really understand the context of the business. Because we're going to have so many changes in, in client-lawyer relationships moving forward where if the lawyer doesn't understand what's truly going on in the organizations that they represent, then the ability to deliver that top quality service is really going to be challenged. Yeah, and I think there it's, you know, it's that empathy point, isn't it? It's about putting yourselves in the shoes of your client and, and understanding that you know, this period will have been incredibly difficult for some businesses and some businesses will have changed forever as a result of, of what's gone on um, in the pandemic. Um, and it's trusting yourself as a leader to 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 be authentic and to be to be empathetic with clients who who might need that right now. And then there's an echo of what Law Books creator Natalie Murray was talking about in the Art of Law episode around really taking time and investing and in understanding your your clients. And that ties in with what Nir Golan talked about in the From Client to Customer episode and how. You know, empathy is really the key to innovation. And I think that's what they mean there. It's about, you know, if you truly trust in in the relationship, if you truly open yourself up to understanding what your fellow, um, you know, your fellow workforce, your fellow um, clients are doing, then I think that that, you know, I, I agree with Nia. I think that, you know, empathy really is that key to unlocking innovation going forward. I love Joss's adaptation of, um, of VUCA, valiant, yeah. understanding, compassionate and authentic. And look, we all expect our, our lawyers to be valiant, I imagine. Um, but the other three are, are real behaviours. And, and maybe what Joss is, is saying there is that we've got... Um, the opportunity here to really amp up those skills and, and, and work more effectively with our clients. Yeah, and I think the one that stood out for me was understanding. And obviously, you know, seeking to understand is, is Steve Covey's seven habits of highly effective people. Um, you know, something that I think, you know, many people look to and can repeat. Um, but, I, you know, in my experience, and I do lots of training 
with law firms to try and help their lawyers listen better to try and get them to have that understanding piece and I think that you know in order to be able to get there you know I think it's an easy thing to say I think it's it's a lot harder in practice to achieve. And maybe this is an area where everyone's legal training falls short just that ability to listen really really effectively with that high quality listening understand the context and also particularly in in negotiation something I used to love doing really understand where the opportunities are by both what is said but also maybe what's not being said yeah and I think it's interesting and again it's you know echoing some of the things that Jonathan Grigg from Boys Turner was saying in our opening episode about how you know, lawyers, you know, I think if you speak to lawyers, I, you know, I was trained as a lawyer. I think one of the things you would say is that you are trained to listen and that you do listen well. Um, and I think, you know, that's, that's true for, for many, but I think actually what Jonathan's saying rings true, which is, you know, what lawyers are trained to do is they're trained to be that person that gives an answer. Um, and I think there's a real desire to fix things and, you know, and actually that, sometimes does rub up against that need to actually sit back to not say anything you know to let the client speak to let the client you know sometimes vocalize aloud so there's a real kind of struggle there for me between you know what lawyers are trained to do which is trained to provide a solution which is trained to help which is trained to offset their client's risk versus you know quite different skill set um, one which you know you and I have have found later on in our careers through coaching, um, and that skill set is very different. And it's about not being the one that jumps in and giving the solutions. It's about being the person that can give a space that can provide that listening environment, so that you can properly understand. So Oliver, I know that you then went on to ask Joss what organisations he thought were doing this well. Well, I think a great example is Microsoft and their new CEO, Satya Nadella, who, um, when he came in, he he saw that the culture of the organization wasn't where it needed to be. And he really set about, you know, actually, you know, moving their culture from knowing it all to learning it all. And he put empathy absolutely at the core of it. So what it's doing is driving far better understanding. There's an empathy for their customer understanding where the customer is and also where they need to go. And I think there's an empathy for colleagues. And so that's driving and fueling innovation. And I think as a CEO, he also embodies how empathetic leadership can drive greater customer centricity and a more inclusive culture. You put those together. And I think that's a very large part of why Microsoft has, has bounced back in recent years and their performance has turned around. There's also a lot more research into the, the impact. It's interesting. There's a, a survey that comes out every year, uh, the state of workplace empathy by Business Solver. And over the last few years, they've seen increasing awareness among senior executives of the importance and impact of empathy. So in their most recent survey in 2019, they saw that 97% of leaders feel it's important for organizations to demonstrate empathy, which is up from 93% a couple of years ago. And 91% of CEOs see a link between empathy and the bottom line, which again is up from 87% the prior year so there's an awareness which is you know moving companies in the right direction interestingly though i think there is uh, maybe a gap so you know the same 2019 survey from business solver reveals that 76 percent of employees believe that empathy drives greater productivity and 73 percent of employees say that empathy can be learned that's crucial 
But there's a gap because I think most CEOs and senior leaders think that their organizations are more empathetic than their people do. So there's still work to be done. So still work to be done, Oliver. And I think lots of echoes there of what we were talking about um, in terms of listening to your customer, in terms of, you know, empathy being a driver um, in the business. Yes. And there are, of course, different types of empathy, as Joss explains. So I think there's, you know, there's a number of examples. And I think it's not just you know, having empathy, but it's the type of empathy that matters. So, you know, we'd identify three different types. There's cognitive em- empathy. So if you like, that's the ability to put yourself in someone else's place and see their perspective. So empathy by thought, if you like, rather than by feeling. And then you've got emotional empathy, which is kind of quite literally feeling another person's emotions as if you'd almost caught it, you've caught their emotions. That can be good. You know, when it's positive, you're feeling upbeat. It's can be, you know, if you're, you're laughing, it can be infectious. Yeah. But I can see how in a business context though, that that could be seen as fluffy potentially. It could be seen as fluffy, but also it can be a cause of, you know, it can be quite overwhelming. So you think what we're going through now with all the uncertainty and, you know, the, the, the imbalance of emotions, if, if you're getting, you know, bad emotions are flowing in your culture, we're not being counterbalanced with more positive views, you know, with those VUCA okay. leadership behaviours we were talking about earlier, then I think that can really get to people. And we know resilience and well-being is a massive, massive issue, not least because the world we were in was already a very disruptive and uncertain one, but even more so now where, you know, four types of well-being, you know, people, you know, physical well-being right now is crucial. I don't really want to be exposed to, to more risk than, than is acceptable. Keep me safe. You know, secondly, you've got mental well-being. So actually, you know, how am I thinking about things? Am I staying positive? You've then got your emotional well-being. How am I feeling about things? Often how you feel affects everything else. And then there's also your social well-being, which is really, really something that's been constrained. You know, it's great we're all connecting via Zoom and Skype and other, other means, but, you know, we're not connecting the way that we used to and we're wired for that human being. So I think well-being, understandably, has become a much, much bigger focus. But, I want but that to come social back to one, third. yeah, but that social one, sorry, just to come in, that social one, I don't think we've quite appreciated how important the social side has been, both from a, on a personal level, but also in the workplace. I would agree with you. I, I mean, I don't think we, we really appreciated it b- before this. And that's often the way, isn't it? When you, you have, you're forced into a kind of constrained situation and it's extended over a period like, like we've, like many countries have experienced. I think that that is storing up uh, you know, potentially some, you know, some, some issues. We need to make sure we're taking care of people. And for the most part, I think organizations are doing a, a decent you know, job of that. But, you know, it's going to be an ongoing thing because I suspect we're going to be socially distancing and not going back to the working patterns that we knew. I, I think that looking forward, I would imagine that people would want to adopt some of the new working practices that, that have come to the fore if they can. So again, coming back to the three types of empathy, so that balance of cognitive and emotional, neither of them are necessarily good or bad, but, but I think there's a third type of empathy, which is really what leaders and organisations want to be working towards, and that's generative empathy. Why generative? Because actually this kind of empathy leads to more empathy, which leads to more empathy. It has a catalytic effect. So I think generative empathy is about feeling concern for someone 
but with an additional move towards action. And actually within an organizational context, that's often the type which is most appropriate. It's you know, in really, really important. And, and our work, you and I have done a lot on this with leaders, is geared towards helping to, to generate that. How do you generate that? You know, it's, it's the best balance. You know, done well, one's able to behave with real feeling towards others, whilst at the same time you're generating insight and possibility and action. So at its best, I think generative empathy is a critical component for truly effective empowerment and inclusion. So Oliver, do you approach coaching empathy in the same way? Yeah, I use some of the same tools and techniques that, that Joss does, and, and in particular, that notion of generative empathy, I think, is really important. Important because organisations might worry that the introduction of or discussion around empathy is, 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 is too soft. And that notion of empathy actually generating something, there's an action step out of that behaviour, I think is really important, both because it shows there's a purpose in behaving in that way, and done well, one can measure the impact of that empathetic behaviour. The other way I like to think about empathy is in terms of uh, an empathy compass. And that's when one can think about empathy in four dimensions. So firstly, empathy for, for oneself. So that's ensuring that you're, one is kind to oneself, particularly at the moment in the, in, in the lockdown, coming out of lockdown stage that we're in to make sure that one takes time to reflect, uh, look after one's mental health uh, and uh, make sure that one is doing everything they need to from a family context. I think that's really important. The second dimension is, I think, empathy for one's colleagues and clients. So that's understanding the context of those that you work with or that you report to or who report to you, but also obviously as we've touched on in this discussion around the, the context in which you're your clients are operating. Then there's the team and creating common goals for the team in an empathetic way so that everybody has the same information, everybody has the same target and everybody's brought together and truly understands what you're trying to achieve as a collective. And then possibly the, the most nebulous one is empathy as an organisation. Whilst those first three are kind of bottom up, individuals can drive empathy in those contexts. This one is a real kind of top-down and a leadership um, activity. And, it, and it's about the very top of organisations almost permitting empathy, permitting people to behave in a way that, that thinks and, and understands others uh, and, and drives more empathetic behaviour through the organisation as a whole. That's really interesting. And again, echoes there of, of lots of things that we've heard throughout this series. Yeah. Claire, I know that you see empathy as an important skill in the work that you do. How do you bring it into your work? Yeah, so for me, empathy is all about that understanding point that we've spoken so much about. And echoes of Nir Golan and empathy being the key to innovation in law firms and Natalie Murray talking about understanding clients and not just your clients, but your clients' stakeholders and having a you know, broader understanding of, of where you are. So the way that I bring empathy in is really around that listening piece. And um, one of the things that I like to um, to focus on, because it's just easy to remember and things that are easy to remember tend to be the ones that stick and the, the ones that people take forward. Um, and there is a study around listening styles and it's, it's packed that I know that you've come across as well, Oliver. And, and it's about 
the different orientations that people have it's the preferences that people have that perhaps they don't even realize they have and and there are two really good examples there of how that ties into empathy so one preference that people have is they can be very focused on the emotional state of others so when they're listening they very much focus on the thoughts and feelings of the speaker and that can be contrasted with action-oriented listeners and lots of echoes here of what Jonathan Grigg from Boyce Turner was saying and they're people that are very interested in finding out what the speaker wants and their focus is the task at hand and solving problems. So very, very similar there to, to what Jonathan was saying. Perhaps, you know, lawyers are trained to be action oriented rather than rather than um, people oriented. And there are other styles um, as well. But where that's interesting with empathy is that sometimes people who have a people orientation, so those people that look for the emotion, um, have a higher sympathetic empathy, so they've got a higher concern for others. Um, but they don't actually, studies have shown, always have a congruent response. So they don't necessarily always feel what that other person feels. Um, and, you know, you might not be surprised that action-oriented listeners are lower on empathy. Um, but, um, you know, they're, they're what you know, what was coming out of studies is perhaps you know perhaps they're nervous about empathizing and um, they they can respond to the emotion they can see them but they prefer to stick to the facts so for me um the way i bring in empathy is about you know reflecting so thinking about your compass oliver it's about the self so you know what what's my default what do i think you know reflecting on you know how empathy plays into you as an individual and then thinking about how understanding listening empathy comes across and, and actually your compass is, is perfect for that so thinking about how it comes across when you're listening to colleagues how it comes across when you're thinking about clients um, and it, again in the teams that you're working in how does empathy and listening play out and it's powerful I think you know what this series has shown is that you know the simplest of things I think people rush to technology I think people rush to you know, complex statistics or, you know, a hunt for more and more data. But for me, you know, having a really powerful conversation, you know, which is often at the heart of much of the data that people mine anyway, you know, can do so much and can, can really power businesses forward. And maybe as humans, what we need is for that conversation to be face to face. Yeah, it's an interesting thought, isn't it? Particularly where we are now. So, Oliver, I've really enjoyed this series and I'm looking forward to, to the next one with you. Yeah, it's been brilliant, Claire. really enjoyed doing it and look forward to the next series. Thanks so much for listening. I do hope you enjoyed this episode. Lawyers Coach is brought to you by Client Talk and Hansard Coaching. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, then please rate and leave a review as it really helps others find us. Now, if you're a lawyer and would like to take part in future episodes, then please visit our website, lawyercoach.co.uk, for further details. You can also join the conversation at our LinkedIn group, Lawyers Coach. If there are any topics that you'd like to hear us discuss, then just get in touch. Once again, thanks for listening and goodbye.